Your service matters. Whether you're in the military or you're a journalist or you're a teacher or a fireman, first responder, it matters when you serve. It's about a purpose-driven life. If people wanted to ask me how my, my child wants to be a catcher, what do I tell them? I say, catch every ball. And in life, isn't that the way it is? We all show some form of valor. Common people doing uncommon things. Loyalty, duty, honor, respect, selfless service, integrity, personal courage. They laid down everything to go to war for us so we can be free to sit here and talk this podcast. Why? Why did you do it? What impelled you to put aside the instinct for self-preservation and risk your lives? It was faith and belief. It was loyalty and love, clear convictions and beliefs. It's important in a democracy for us to know that freedom isn't free. The Bob Feller Act of Valor Foundation is exactly the right name for that foundation to inform the American public about the ideals and the virtues and the heroism of people like Bob Feller. Bob Feller, he said, my one piece of advice is read our Constitution and run your lives according to the Constitution. We swear an oath to a document that stands for freedom, makes this experiment that we call the United States of America. We are not perfect, but we hold the moral high ground. We are trying to, in the words of our founding document, in order to form a more perfect union. There are going to be some tough calls to make the world safer, better, to represent those values. We can continue to make this world a much, much better place. Hello, and welcome back to the American Ballard Podcast. Tyler Buckholtz, Colin Kirk, and Nathaniel Cameron with you today. On the American Ballard Podcast, we seek to educate and inspire you with acts of valor, supported by the Bob Feller Foundation, embodying the traits that National Baseball Hall of Famer and United States Navy Chief Petty Officer Bob Feller himself lived by. Citizenship, service above self, and commitment to country in a time of great national need. The latest guest on the American Ballard Podcast is Mr. John Shostafoski. He's currently serving as Vice President of Communications and Education for the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown, New York. John was previously the Manager of Media Relations for the Boston Red Sox. And we're looking forward to a conversation today around uh, baseball and the military. So we thank you for joining the podcast, John. Yeah, Nathaniel, Colin, Tyler, it, it's an absolute honor to join this podcast and, and be a part of the conversation. So. Thanks so much for uh, you know involving the Hall of Fame as always, and um, really looking forward to this conversation. What is your background? Your story? Yeah, sure thing. Well, you know, we've all kind of heard in the baseball world of uh, of the guy who got scouted was lucky to get scouted and picked in the last round of the draft, um, somehow get traded and find a spot to to make an impact and. I really consider myself as lucky to be working um, here at the Hall of Fame right now uh, as any one of those um, ball players. Uh, I, I've been um, so fortunate over my career here, uh, now in 17 years working in baseball. Um, you know, I've had one job interview, and that was for an internship with a minor league team while I was still in college, and somehow have parlayed that into. Uh, um, you know, time here in Cooperstown, uh, where I'm absolutely privileged uh, to spend my days, um, you know, thinking about and 
um, honoring and just steeped in the history of baseball um, and what it means is America's pastime and all the various connections uh, between uh, baseball and, and what we hold to be important. Um, and, and that's such a great connection to what uh, you all do um, at the Bob Feller Active Valor Foundation. So, um, you know, just a little more detail if you're curious. I, I worked for a minor league team called the Lowell Spinners, a minor league Red Sox team. Um, and for me growing up uh, in the Boston area as a big Red Sox fan, um, the year 2004 was uh, one that no, nobody in, in uh, Red Sox Nation will ever forget. And that was my first year as an intern with that minor league club. They actually had me um, working in the store, which to be perfectly honest is, is what I was qualified to do. Um, and I was helping out, but uh, that experience gave me such a window into what it takes to run a ball club. And I mean, from ticketing to facilities and souvenirs, um, you know, I learned for the first time what communications in sports um, consisted of player relations, community relations, um, dealing with the press. And uh, I was lucky enough that they brought me back for a second year internship, um, specifically in media relations. So my entire career has been kind of working and learning on the job um, in, in the roles of communications and media relations. You know, they, uh, again, lucky enough that um, when the internship ended, I spent two more years in, in, in a full-time capacity um, running public relations for that ball club. Uh, and I was lucky enough, again, to have the chance to meet um, the head of uh, the Red Sox um, media relations department when our minor league team played at Fenway Park a couple of times. And I'll tell you, 2004 was a great year for the Red Sox. 2007 was as well. Um, and I actually ended up volunteering uh, to work for the Red Sox. I went in for every day from beginning of September through uh, the parade after another World Series victory. Um, and uh, it was the absolute honor of my life. I thought, man, I, I got to be, they, they put me on a duck boat and let me hold the trophy at one point during that parade. It was the coolest thing a Red Sox kid could ever imagine. I thought, I don't need to work in baseball anymore. This is as good as it's ever going to get. Um, lo and behold, uh, through that connection, uh, an opening arise in um, the Red Sox Media Relations Department uh, shortly thereafter, and um, it kind of started up fresh again um, and worked my way up uh, with the Red Sox for almost 10 years. Um, spent a, a great amount of time with some wonderful, wonderful people, time I will always cherish. Um, a World Series championship in 2013 that meant so much to uh, that city as a whole, and um, just, uh, uh, you know, eventually getting to the point of, um, you know, spending time um, with the club doing half half the road trips and all of spring training, every home game, postseason, uh, just something that you could, you could never imagine as a kid growing up um, as a fan of the game, and I was even, even uh, lucky enough again uh, to, um, hear from the then president of the Hall of Fame, uh, Jeff Idelson, when my current position here became available. And uh, somehow I've gone from the minor leagues to the major leagues and then the Hall of Fame in short order. Um, uh, every day I walk through the plaque gallery, um, you take a deep breath and, and realize where you are and um, how important it is to, to uh, do what we do and protect the legacies of, of those individuals and celebrate the history of baseball. So 
that's the that's the long form answer. I apologize <laughs> for rambling on. Have you ever considered that maybe you're the reason why the Red Sox could finally break the curse? Uh, it's a great question, Colin. But no, um, that never crossed my mind. I think I'm the I'm the uh, bystander through this whole process. I definitely I definitely claim that it was me, but I guess that's the difference between me and you. Um, what do you have any? Uh, favorite memories from your time at the Red Sox besides obviously uh, the duck boat and getting to hold the World Series trophy does any particular moment or interaction stand out you know with everything it's the people it's the people that you work with it's the people that you get to know in the media it's the people um, you know that are in the clubhouse every day staff and players the moments that I remember when I think back are sitting you know the quiet moment in the dugout where uh, where, you know, you might have a, a conversation, just a, a calm conversation um, before the, the craziness of the game starting. Um, you know, uh, players might come over and, and uh, catch up a little bit, uh, fix your tie a little bit if it's looking off. Um, those are the, the quiet little moments. Um, you know, heading onto the field, standing in the, um, in the entryway to the field and waiting for the 2013 World Series to come to an end. Uh, that's a moment where you're just you're you're holding your breath. You you hope and you know what's coming, but you're holding your breath, um, and you just try and soak in what's happening and what you are privileged to be a part of, um, to be able to be on the field and um, and witness uh, that kind of a celebration in a year that was of course uh, marred by the Boston Marathon bombing, and to see the team come together some of the players on that team will always be remembered um, not only for winning the world series but for what they did um, visiting the victims of that attack um, standing up for the city uh, you know david ortiz's famous words on the field in in april when the red sox returned to play there's so much emotion and and passion that came through on the human side um, we see it we see it. We see these guys as players. I'm sorry. We see these players as humans, as, as regular people when you, when you spend so much time with them. Um, but I think it was really special that year for our fans to have the chance to see the players as, as people um, in the way that they reacted to what was going on in, in the city. That is a great example of baseball bringing people together after a difficult situation like that. The Bob Feller Foundation brings people together from the different aspects of Bob Feller's life, baseball, Major League Baseball, and the National Baseball Hall of Fame, and the military through the United States Navy and Marine Corps. The foundation was honored to have the opportunity to join the Hall of Fame during the 2019 induction weekend. What is the connection between the Bob Feller Foundation and the National Baseball Hall of Fame? Well, it's such a natural connection. Um, you know, we, we were honored and, and pleased to have the Bob Feller uh, Active Valor group out to the induction weekend um, programming last year. Um, you all put on a, a, great, uh, a great program on Doubleday Field um, and shared, um, you know, what this foundation's all about with thousands of, of uh, diehard baseball fans who were in town to celebrate the game. Um, and really what you're doing is celebrating some of the same things that we celebrate through our mission, you know, keeping legacies alive. Um, you're, you're doing that with Mr. Feller 
with every every act of what what this um, what this group does uh, keeps his memory alive and celebrates who he was and what he represents and the elements of what he represents and who he was are the same elements that we celebrate um, in the Hall of Fame when we celebrate service uh, when we celebrate courage and sacrifice um, these are important characteristics that we share uh, with all of our museum visitors. Um, and Mr. Feller is just such a striking example of each of those characteristics. Um, so it was, it was our absolute honor to have you in Cooperstown and, um, and we're so pleased that uh, we're able in a small way to, to help you share your message. Yeah, and we certainly appreciate the opportunity to go out and uh, be on Double Day Field during such a historic event. What are we had Johnny Bench on the podcast very early on in the life of the American Valor podcast, and he mentioned some of his favorite aspects of uh, induction yeah. weekend. There it is, yes. induction weekend was to get with players from all walks of life who reach the same accomplishment in their families and and interact with them. What are some of your favorite aspects of induction weekend? Yeah, Johnny's an amazing human. <laughs> He's an amazing person. He's really taken the torch um, among the Hall of Famers. He takes it upon himself to talk to every new member, to sit down with them during their induction weekend, share some advice, share some perspective. Um, it's a really special thing that he does. Um, and, and obviously he's, he's a, a man of great character and we are lucky to have him as part of our team at the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, induction weekend is is an amazing experience. I've uh, I've gone through four now in my time here at the Hall of Fame. Each one is a little different um, and is special in its own way. To me, it's the again, it's the human side. It's those connections that we witness, um, and we witness those connections. You know, whether it's fans coming to Cooperstown and they get together and have an annual tradition. Um, amongst themselves to come visit Cooperstown. Um, you know, they get the chance to connect uh, with their, you know, heroes of childhood. You know, the parade down Main Street on Saturday evening uh, with the Hall of Famers on, on the back of, of a pickup truck going down the street. It's just an amazing experience to have um, these gentlemen, some of them who haven't played baseball in, you know, four decades, have that chance to be honored and, and to and but really to give the fans a chance to um, share their love um, but really like it's those connections and and I talk about the fans it's the fans and their traditions but it's also just the magic of Cooperstown fans coming in it's this universal acknowledgement that baseball means so much to everyone who's at induction weekend it, it's a microcosm of and a great example of of what Cooper sounds like every day, but during induction weekend, you are just packed in with baseball fans, baseball diehards. Everyone's got a baseball cap, their team represented on a shirt, um, their favorite hall of famers represented. Um, and it's a special place of celebration where you just know it's rare in life to go somewhere where, um, you know, everyone's in agreement on something. And for us, it's, it's, it's an agreement of how, how important baseball is to us as individuals and, and as a country. And I see that even coming through with the Hall of Famers. You know, the, the human connection 
these guys have with one another. And for induction weekend, you know, I'm, a, I'm able to witness from afar some of these Hall of Fame members that come and visit, they come to Cooperstown every year, but it's just once a year that they get to um, reconnect with, uh, with these gentlemen, reconnect with um, the rest of their Hall of Fame teammates. Um, so there's a really human element there of um, perhaps, you know, feeling like they're back in the clubhouse and uh and getting the chance for them to relive their history at the same time as all the fans that are in town to do the same thing what do you think are some lessons that people can learn from looking at baseball's history that's a great question and baseball you know what i love about the hall of fame is our museum it's three floors of exhibit spaces and yes of course the history of baseball and who did what in the game babe ruth um and uh, you know, the records that are broken, the history of what's happening on the field is so important. Um, but within our exhibit spaces, it, it's not just what's happening on the field. It's, um, it's, it's an in-depth look at baseball as it fits into the context of American society. So the Hall of Fame, to me, as much as it's a sports museum, a baseball museum, and a place to recognize the heroes of the game, it, it's also an American history museum. Um, since baseball began in, in um, since baseball sort of coalesced in America in the 1800s um, around the Civil War, you know, every step of the way, how the game has grown and changed from integration to westward expansion, um, you know, labor issues, it's all viewed in the context of American history. And so th there's so much that we can learn from uh, the Hall of Famers that, that are celebrated um, but also just the history of the game and how it has evolved over time. And obviously there are some tremendous examples of baseball being, um, you know, out ahead of American society, um, you know, in some particular ways, uh, Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier um, prior to uh, the end of segregation um, in our country is a great example of that. Um, but um, there are other terrific examples as well. And uh, the stories of service that um, you all talk about every day fit in with the conversations that are important for our visitors to recognize as well. Um, you know, in the museum on the side of military service, uh, if any of y'all have been to the plaque gallery itself, we have now um, 333 members of the Hall of Fame and 68 of those members served the United States in the military during a time of conflict. So that's literally one fifth of our membership base um, and those that we celebrate. So it's a, a really important story um, to share those stories of sacrifice. Um, and, and, and as I mentioned, Mr. Feller, uh, Ted Williams, there are some gentlemen that sacrificed uh, <laughs> an amazing chunk of their careers. And I'm sure your audience is well aware, but every time I look at, at Bob Feller's um, statistical record on baseball reference, I'm just astounded to see, you talk about a phenom on the baseball diamond. Um, as a young kid who came up at 19, uh, the four years I think ahead of, of, um, of his enlisting in the Navy, he was an all-star. But not only that, he was the major league leader in strikeouts all four of those seasons. And then he comes back in his next three full seasons, the same thing. He leads the league in strikeouts every year 
and he's an all-star again for, for three straight years. So, you know, it gives you an idea of, of, um, of what he gave up um, from the baseball side, but then you read the quotes from him, you know, the story of sacrifice, you know, the story of him driving to Chicago, um, hearing on his car radio, uh, the news about Pearl Harbor and just immediately heading um, to, uh, to enlist in Chicago, enlisting in the Navy, setting aside his deferment status. And, um, you know, basically saying it didn't matter to me. Baseball, baseball wasn't important, as important as service to the country. I wanted to win that war. Um, and, uh, and he just serves as such a shining example of uh, self-sacrifice um, and American resiliency. Uh, so every single one, to go back to the Hall of Fame, every single one of um, those 68 men who served in a conflict during, um, uh, during time of conflict in the U.S. military has a medallion in the museum. So when we talk about, you know, education of those who come through the museum, um, our plaque gallery itself is a great uh, is a great tool to educate those about the service of so many of our Hall of Fame members um, with a special medallion uh, identifying the branch of service in the military conflict that they participated in. We had the opportunity to be joined by Mr. Carl Erskine, who was a teammate of Jackie Robinson for nine years. He talked about the changes in society during his life, and that touched home when you mentioned the impact that the National Baseball Hall of Fame can have on educating people on American history. What is it like to be part of an institution helping people to understand our past? Well, it's a that's a great question. Mr. Erskine is such a true gentleman of the game. Um, what a wonderful man with with amazing stories of uh, of history, and he really does embody some of those greatest times of change within baseball that are then reflected in American society. You know, for for me, um, you know, growing up working more on the on the field side. Um, and as a fan, baseball to me was uh, it, always about the stories, but so much more about the stories of, of who's playing well and, uh, and really what's happening on the field. I was writing game notes on a daily basis for the Red Sox, you know, participating in a group that would uh, put out a packet of, of eight to 10 pages of information for every single game. So it was really more about that focused look into what's happening at any one particular time on the field, getting really specific. In this current role in Cooperstown, it's it's a whole different perspective of the game, and one that I just have enjoyed so much um, being a part of. We get to celebrate. We we get to take a look from you know where where we're right up at field level. Um, you know, working for a club, you're almost at the thirty thousand foot level here thinking about the game in so many different ways. Um, as an educational institution, our museum is, you know, trying to identify the topics that should be shared uh, through the lens of baseball. We have an education department that does the same thing. And it's really looking at the game from a wider lens. Um, and there's so much joy in that. There's so much joy in, uh, in the general connections, celebrating the general connections that fans everywhere have with with this game um so it, it, it's a it's a privilege and it's an absolute pleasure to be uh working in cooperstown at the baseball hall of fame is there a particular exhibit in the hall of fame that just really stands out to you 
Yeah, that's, that's a, another great question. We have three floors of exhibit spaces and, and they're all, it's all amazing. It's all, all terrific in its own right. Um, you know, for me, you walk through the plaque gallery itself and there's no more sacred space in all of baseball. You're surrounded by the legends of the game and each one is recognized. Right in front are the first five Hall of Famers, you know, including Babe Ruth. And, um, you know, the whole, the whole history of the game is embodied in that one uh, shrine-like um, hall. But, but there are so many different great exhibits. And, and I guess, um, you know, I, I think I walk through, there are two gentlemen who have their own exhibit spaces in the Hall of Fame. There are only two Hall of Famers that are recognized in that way. Um, one of them is Babe Ruth and the other is Hank Aaron. And those two are telling that story of who these people were, not only as ballplayers, but as humans. And, um, and you know, particularly for, for Mr. Aaron, um, you know, learning about what he was dealing with um when he approached and broke the home run home run record um you know the negativity that he dealt with uh for, on, on the side of racism um but then knowing the, that for every uh racist letter that he wanted us that that he allowed us to display as part of that exhibit he also wanted a, a letter um of positivity of encouragement to be shown um you know we learn about his role uh, post uh, post playing career in business, his successful roles, and the way he's been recognized um, as an American hero. So, uh, I, 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 for me, that's the exhibit. It's um, it's it's the, the the Henry Aaron exhibit that goes from you know the amazing accomplishment on the field um, in depth into the human element. Yeah, and I think that's what's so great about the game of baseball and what the hall of fame does is it, it really humanizes these people that are looked up to as idols, such as uh, Hank Aaron or Babe Ruth or, or Jackie Robinson. And it really tells all their stories to the point where people can, can really associate with the history, not only the personal history that they have, but the history of the United States. I think we are all good on questions, John. Uh, it was it was a blast having you on. We really enjoyed the insight. And hopefully in the future, we can get back on Double Day Field and get back up to the Hall of Fame as a foundation. That's awesome. Uh, really, really, really honored to have joined you guys. And, and thanks for having me. Continue doing the great work that you're doing and, and keep us posted as to uh, your activities and how we can be of assistance. Thank you so much, John. We really appreciate your time. Oh, th thanks, Nathaniel. Thank you, Colin, and thank you, Tyler. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, John. And I must say, as a Red Sox fan, listening to you, uh, your growth through the organization was—I was pretty envious of you, <laughs> Colin. I don't know how it happened. I, I couldn't. <laughs> I, I I just you know. I've never been the the kind of guy that goes out looking for what's next. I've always kind of kept my head down and, and enjoyed what I'm doing as best as possible. And um, gosh, you know, that one job interview turned into, you know, for, for a merchandising internship has turned into, uh, you know, my fourth year now in Cooperstown. I, I just can't explain it. Um, but I, I'm, I'm thankful every day and grateful for um, all of these amazing opportunities. Well, keep up the, the good work at the Hall of Fame, and hopefully we'll get up to see you sometime soon. 
Sounds great. We are, uh, you know, while our doors remain closed um, due to the coronavirus pandemic, we are um, eagerly looking forward to reopening uh, when it is deemed safe to do so by um, by New York State and uh, putting in all those preparations. So uh, we will soon be able to open our doors and share our history again with so many uh, avid baseball fans and fans of American history. That's awesome. We look forward to it, too. Come and join us. Hopefully we will. Maybe maybe next year for the ceremony, we'll be back up. That's great. That's great. Well, we're, we're all looking forward to that. That's been, uh, obviously, that was, a, that was a really, I don't want to say a difficult decision because it just made sense, but um, such a tough thing to not uh, have an induction ceremony um, and have to uh, postpone this year's till next year. Um, but it, I think, I really think with all the excitement that, everyone was looking forward to with this class of Hall of Famers, um, including um, obviously Derek Jeter, Ted Simmons, Larry Walker, Marvin Miller. It, it's only going to be amplified um, by waiting one more year. And, and uh, given these circumstances, it's just going to be even more of an exciting party <laughs> than it usually is. Yeah, absolutely. Best of luck with um, overcoming the coronavirus. And we hope you guys are back up and running soon. Well, thanks so much. Really appreciate it and hope that you and you and yours are, are staying safe as well. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the American Valor podcast. The next conversation will feature Ms. Katina Shaw, Vice President of Community Relations of the Milwaukee Brewers.